Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. Well, you may be seated. Anybody need a copy of the notes this evening? If you want to follow along, just raise your hand and we'll see that you get a copy of them. Okay, let's pray. We give thanks to you, Father, for the privilege of studying your holy written word. We do so, inviting your spirit to be our teacher and guide tonight. Give us ears anointed to hear, hearts to receive, and minds that are open to what we hear. Change us from glory to glory. May your word penetrate every life, every heart of every individual person, that we might conform to the very image of Jesus and become that for which he shed his blood and sacrificed his life. Father, make us what you want us to be by the power of your spirit through your word, and we'll give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. We're talking about the Holy Ghost on Wednesday nights. Amen. What a wonderful subject. Amen. This is his dispensation. And just a quick review. We talked about the fact that the whole Godhead is involved in redemption. The Father planned it. Jesus worked it. And the Holy Ghost reveals it and makes it a reality in all of our lives. So thank God for all three. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit is prominent in, number one, the Bible, the life of Christ, and the life of the believer. In the Bible, we said in the Old Testament, there's 88 references to the Holy Ghost, but in the New Testament, 264. Think about that. Three times as much. Because this is His dispensation right now. We talked about the work of the Holy Spirit also in creation in all that was made, in revelation, as he moved upon the hearts and minds of the prophets and shared truth. Also then in regeneration, uh, sanctification and confirmation, he confirmed things with signs following. And then we concluded by saying that our lives depend upon the Spirit's ministry temporally as we live on earth now, and then also eternally. And to think about this, Jesus said it was more important for the Holy Ghost to come, for him to leave and the Holy Ghost come than for him to stay here. Why? Because he said, oh, he's going to take my place. You see, if Jesus were here right now as an individual, as he walked on the earth, he'd be one person at a time. But the Holy Ghost can be in every single one of us all at the same time. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen? All right, I want you to turn with me as we continue our study to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. Know you not that you are the temple of God? Stop just right there. What are we? Collectively and individually, we are the what? You know, there are only two temples, and the third one's going to be built. And the first temple housed the Shekinah glory. The second temple housed the Shekinah glory. Guess what? We are the temple. And you've got the glory of the Father in you in this jar of clay, this earthen body, temple. And the same Shekinah glory that was there is in here right now. What a reality. Hallelujah. 
You are the temple of God. And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is what? Holy. Which temple you are. Let no man deceive himself. You see, if you think otherwise, then you're deceived. I'm deceived. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Who's wiser than God? Man's highest wisdom can't even begin to search the lowest if God had a lowest measure of wisdom. You realize that? No matter how smart man thinks he's becoming, he's not. A smart man becomes a fool for Christ. <laughs> That's a smart individual. Well, there's no amount of human wisdom that can accomplish the purposes or the work of God on earth. It just can't be done. For God's work to be done, whether it's in our lives and through our lives, it requires the ministry of the Holy Ghost. So without the ministry of the Spirit, we're not going to accomplish God's purposes, be it in our own personal lives or in the work that God would have us to do. You see, it requires the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which is why Jesus said it's more profitable for you if I go. So if you want to be empowered to live a fruitful life of service to God, then you and I need, yes, to be born of the Spirit, but also to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be honest with us all. He wants to take us over. Do you have the Spirit tonight? That's the first question. But let me ask you this. Does the Spirit have you tonight? Does He have me? Does He have you? Amen. Is He directing your every thought? Your acts, deeds, your words, your speech, your conduct, your character, your behavior and all that that's what being a Christian is all about yielding yourself to the spirit of God and just saying make me shape me mold me into the person that God wants me to be and because of the sacrifice that Jesus sacrificed for me I want to become Paul said what he shed his blood for for the reason he apprehended me you know Jesus chased you down tackled you, got you on the ground, said, I'm not letting you go until I make you what I want you to be. If you recall, when he called his disciples way back in the first part of Matthew, he said, follow me, and I will make you. <laughs> yes, Aaron, that's exactly what he said, but I wanted to stop short of that and say... <laughs> Follow me and I will make you, okay, whether it's fishers of men, it's what I want you to be, okay? But you will notice then they followed him for three and a half years and then he went up to glory. But he said, now don't you do anything, don't even leave Jerusalem until what? You're going to do with power from on high. And then he said in verse 8 of Acts 1, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be 
you shall be what? Witnesses. He wanted to make them. See, follow me and I'll make you what I want you to be. What do I want you to be? I want you to be witnesses. But it took the work of the Holy Spirit to consummate that in them. Every single one of us is a work of the Holy Ghost. I'll take you. I'll make you what I want you to be. But it requires the ministry of the Spirit. So wait, don't move until you're endued with power. Clothed with power from on high. I'll make you. That witness is someone who testifies. You realize you're a witness for Christ. You testify. What do you testify? You give witness to His love, His mercy, His grace, His sacrifice, forgiveness, His cleansing, His power. And the list goes on and on. Every single one of us is to be molded into that kind of individual. The people that He wants us to be. Now, in the book of Zechariah, chapter 4 and verse 6, we're going to read this verse of Scripture. And I'm going to give you some background. Of course, you know the story about Zerubbabel beginning to lay the foundation and rebuild the temple. But then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. God's work is not going to be accomplished apart from the ministry of the Holy Ghost. And that includes every single one of our lives. Now, he wanted them to rebuild the temple. And in order to do so, of course, they had to have permission from Darius to, to leave and go to Jerusalem and build, rebuild the temple. We're not talking about some ordinary place of worship. We're talking about the place where heaven touches the earth. Do you see that picture out there? We have in an narthex of our church where the fire is coming down, the glory is coming. The fire of God is entering into the mobile tabernacle where the Ark of the Covenant was, and that Shekinah glory just enters in. A place where heaven touches the earth. A place where glory resides among men. You are that temple tonight. And so am I. Well, what a privilege and what an honor to be able to do so. But just like us, there's opposition. And just like us, there's obstacles. There's temptation in the world. And they face the same thing. So they began to project. And as they began to project, after the foundation was laid, they got very frustrated. Because of the op obstacles and because of the opposition. I want to read something to you that I thought was just pretty wild. But I'm going to just take a step out. I'm going to read it to you. Listen to what prompted Darius to let Zerubbabel build the temple. Zerubbabel was a friend of Darius. Having successfully competed before him in a contest whose object was to determine what was the strongest thing in the world. Was it wine? Was it kings? Was it women? Or was it truth? Well, Zerubbabel, having demonstrated that truth was the mightiest of all, was called the king's cousin and was granted by him permission to go up to Jerusalem and build the temple of God. He was also promoted to governor, etc. You see, what happened was the people, it was customary for the people then to go and help them rebuild the temple. And so when they went to go rebuild the temple, they became frustrated after it was 
the foundation was laid, number one, why? Because they saw automatically it's not going to be as beautiful as the first. They wanted the elaborate Solomon's temple replicated, duplicated. And they knew they weren't going to get that, so they were frustrated. And then, of course, there was the opposition of the people. You know there's opposition to you growing in God? Obstacles along the way? These people wanted to come along and say, we're going to help you. That sounds good, doesn't it? But guess what the cost was? If we help you, you have to worship our gods. We'll help you build your temple. But then, you know, you just, in honor of us, worship our gods. You can worship your God too, but worship our gods. So the Israelites said, no. We're not going to make that compromise. We're not going to do that. And so said, get away. Well, there was opposition from these outside forces. And then there was also the fact that they were frustrated because the temple's not going to be beautiful. So what did they do? Gave up. For 10 solid years, they gave up. Guess what they did? What about their own business? Building their own houses. Wallowing in self-pity. Doing their own thing. Ignoring and neglecting the building of the temple of God. Imagine that. Ignoring a place where God's Shekinah glory would manifest among them once again. You would think they'd be all over that. But before we criticize, what about us? Aren't we the temple of God? Don't we want to be a place where God's Shekinah glory is manifested in us and through us every day of our lives? But you see, we face the same kind of opposition. There's voices all around us in the world trying to pull us. Here's what their thought was. They would help them and then they would absorb them into their own patterns so that they wouldn't rise up to be a threat to them. In other words, we're going to accommodate you, but then you're going to just intermingle with us and we're going to become one big happy family. How many of you know that God doesn't want us to be a happy family with the world? Any friend of the world is an enemy of God. He didn't say intermingle with them. He said come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? And that's what he was telling them. And that's what he's telling us. We're the temple of God. We're not going to be absorbed into the world and start thinking like the world thinks. Isn't that happening in the church world today? You realize a lot of the craziness that's going on out there makes people think as a Christian, you can look just like a non-believer and it doesn't matter. You can live like a non-believer and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you live your life. It doesn't matter what your morality is because you see grace covers everything so it doesn't matter. Well, I'd like to take note tonight. It does matter. Because the Holy Ghost is holy. And we are told, be ye holy, for I am holy. Yes, holiness is twofold. In Christ we've been made holy. But it's also to be external. If you recall 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, where it says, Having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Notice, perfecting holiness. In other words, maturing in holiness. How does one mature in holiness? Holiness on the inside gets to the outside. 
we're changed from glory to glory. As it comes to the outside, we look more like Christ. We act more like Christ. We live more like Christ. We don't get absorbed into the world and its way of thinking. Mm -mm. No, we're separate. Be separate, says the Lord. And we live a lifestyle of holiness and godliness and righteousness and truth. We don't want to miss that. We don't want our young people to think that it doesn't matter how they live. Because you know what? They'll be absorbed right into the world's way of thinking. Amen. Aren't we supposed to be separate? Absolutely. We're not supposed to follow the ways of this world. Amen. Well, in chapter 3 of Zechariah, God emphasizes to Zerubbabel the need for being pure. So the first thing he says in chapter 3 is purity. See, they were absorbed in themselves. They were in self-pity. They were concerned about building their houses and doing their work and doing their own thing. And God's project was left over here. Have you ever set a project aside in your own life? That just seems to never get done? Because you're ignoring it or you're neglecting it? Well, we shouldn't ignore, ignore or neglect our spiritual growth and development and our walk with God. That should never be on the back burner. It should never be off to the side. He said, number one, Zerubbabel. See, we always go to chapter 4 because of chapter 4 and verse 6 about not, not by power nor might, but by my spirit. But what about chapter 3 where he said, you've got to cleanse yourself. You've got to be cleansed. Get before the spirit of God. Get before the throne of God. No wonder he says there's two things that we all need when you go to the throne. And what are they? Mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. A mercy means don't give me what I deserve. I know I can't live a perfect life in the flesh, but I'm not saying that I have. But I'm coming for mercy. Give me the mercy because Jesus, my high priest, he paid the price for my forgiveness and cleansing from all unrighteousness. And I'll have to tweak my attitude, do whatever I need to do to change. Whatever you show me. Shine the light of your spirit's, uh, let's say, the scrutiny of your spirit upon me so I can see what I need to change. So he told him, you can't think that way anymore. You can't act that way anymore. You're absorbed into the world. You're, you're living for yourself. You're building your houses. You're taking care of your own business and you're ignoring mine. That was first. Everybody say purity. purity. Secondly, it's power. It's not by power, nor by my, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Not man power, but God's power. Now notice, I put this for you in your notes. He says, we all need resources that go beyond human powers and abilities. So when he says, not by might, notice the word might. This is a reference to like an army gathering together to accomplish a goal. Remember Jehoshaphat was surrounded by these three armies coming against him? And what did he say? We have no might. In other words, our army is nowhere near these three armies in strength, power, and ability. Man, we're doomed. We have no might. So what does God say to him? It's not by might. It's not because you've got an army that's going to accomplish these things. Nor by power. And that's referring to human intellect, wisdom, natural wisdom, understanding and ability and talents and gifts along that line. It's not include, it also could include the FBI or the CIA or a man's genius. He said it's not by any of that. It's not by political genius or powers or anything like that. Mm-mm. It won't get the job done. You see, Zerubbabel, you look into yourself and that's why everything's on hold. 
You've seen others look to me, look to God. And what happened? He helps them. And so what he's saying to them is this. It's by my spirit. How is the work of God accomplished? By my spirit, saith the Lord. By a resource that transcends all human resources. No wonder, once again, Jesus said, the Holy Ghost is going to come. And when he comes, you see, I know we understand the Father's love. I know we understand the work of Jesus. Because Jesus' death on the cross and his scourging before that. But what about this wonderful ministry of the Holy Ghost? You know what? Try this in your life. Before you pray, before you try to minister to someone, try this. Holy Spirit, I know you need a vessel. I know for God's work to be done, you need a body. Right? And for God's word to be spoken, you need a vessel. You need a body. And so here I am. Clothe me with your power. Clothe me. Fall upon me. You watch and see the effect as the Spirit of God falls upon you and clothes you. Because why? He's looking for someone to live in and work through. Now He's in you. But He also wants to be on us. Enabling us. Equipping us. Look uh, in Matthew's Gospel 22 and verse 29. They were talking about the resurrection of the dead. And the Sadducees didn't believe in it. And they were sad. But the Pharisees believed in it. And they were happy. It would be a sad day if there was no resurrection from the dead. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be? And so they, feel that they felt that they would just trick Jesus. Now how silly can anybody be? You're going to stump the one who said I am the truth. You can't do it. And so Jesus understood what they were doing and he answers them and he says to them, you do err. Now that's coming from ultimate truth. Why are they in error? Not knowing the scriptures, that's one, nor the what? Power of God. Those two things are of essential importance. We need to know the scriptures that produce faith but we need to know the power of God do we have any clue of the power that's in us well Paul the apostle prayed for people to have their eyes open to the fact that the power that's in us was used to raise Jesus from the dead can you imagine that it was used to raise Jesus from the dead and where is it it's in every single one of us I actually believe this when we get to glory, he's going to look at us and just say, uh, you don't really have much of an excuse when you say you couldn't do something. Because I put within you a deposit of my power, my ability, and my strength. Remember Ephesians 3 and verse 20? Now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think. How? According to my miracle working power. That's where? In you. But it's up to us to activate it. We have it inside of us right now. 
No, they didn't understand the power of God. Is it too difficult for God to raise the dead? You know, our natural minds, when, when something's dead, it's gone. The way we think in the natural, that's it. It's over. So one day God spoke to Ezekiel and he said, can those bones live? Can they live? Army of dead bones. And he looks at all the skeleton body, the, the bones that were there from the people. He looks up to God and says, you know. You know. And what does God do? Two things. Speak to the bones. And speak to the wind. Speak the word. And invite the Holy Ghost. Man, when you've got the word and the spirit, you've got a dynamic power. Can you see that? You see, church is about coming here and learning these principles so that we can put them into practice in our lives. Gather our thoughts together and start saying, when I say greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, what am I really saying? Who's in me created the world? Who's in me raised Jesus from the dead? Who's in me is the greatest power known to mankind, known in the universe. The ancient of days resides in all of us. I know it's mind-boggling. I know sometimes our brains check out when you hear that. But you know, the enemy doesn't want us to know these blessed truths. Because when we get a hold of them and we really know them, man, we're going to rise up in great power. Look at Acts 10.38. In Acts 10.38, we're talking about the Holy Ghost taking over a human life. You ready for that in your life? You're going to give him yourself and let him know, clothe me from on high, saturate me with your presence until there's nothing left but you and me. You in me and on me. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. We can't accomplish the purposes of God apart from supernatural power. Now this is the Son of God. The Son of God. Who didn't do one miracle until he was clothed with power from on high. Who then went about doing good. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. When did he go about doing good? When he was anointed with what? Holy Ghost power. Now that's Jesus. But what about us? Can you imagine when he said to his disciples. You're going to be clothed with power from on high. That same power that was in him, evident in him and on him, that enabled him to do everything that he did. Can you imagine that? Look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, and verses 18 and 19. Here we have what Jesus did. And he did this, again, by the Spirit. Look at the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now notice, upon, not just in. So you can have the Holy Ghost in you. And thank God for that. But he also wants to come upon us. And because he was upon him. He anointed him to do what? See this is the work that needed to be done. Preach the gospel to the poor. Heal the brokenhearted. Preach deliverance to the captives. Recovering sight to the blind. Set liberty to bruise. Preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So it was the Holy Ghost on him. That empowered him to do 
that. But now go to the book of Acts in chapter 1 and look at verses 4 and 5 and then also verse 8. Being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. And then verse 8, you shall receive what? Power is dunamis, miracle working power. When? After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be. Be what? Witnesses. You know, true witnesses are those empowered by the Spirit to go forth and live the way Jesus wants them to live and do the things Jesus wants them to do. See, you can't do this. I can't do this on my own. We can't. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the most parts of the earth. So in other words, anywhere and everywhere we go, we should be going in the power of the Spirit. It is the Holy Ghost whose dispensation this is that we're living in. So can you imagine just rising up in the morning, partnershiping with the Holy Ghost, acknowledging His presence within, and then saying, you know what? You get dressed in the natural, but I'm not fully dressed until I'm clothed with the Spirit today. Oh, clothe me. Fall upon me. Can you see? That's what He wants for all of us. Because the Holy Ghost needs a vessel to live in and work through. Otherwise, the Father's work can't be done. And also, you see, His, His words can't be spoken. And that's why when you are so full and filled with the Spirit, full of and filled with, and you speak God's word under that inspiration and anointing, those words become penetrating to the hearts of the people that listen to what you have to say. So in other words, if we're going to witness, why did he tell his disciples after they were born again, don't go witness without being empowered? You need the empowerment of the Spirit. You need the Holy Ghost fire in you to get the results that I'm looking for. Now, working apart from the Spirit, what does it do? It frustrates the Holy Ghost. It frustrates Him. Why? You could say it's a form of pride. I actually get to the place I think I can do it on my own. Really? We can't do it on our own. God's work is a supernatural work. Have you ever tried to take God's place and do God's part when it comes to believing God for like maybe a loved one or family member, a friend to come to Christ and all that? You do everything in your power to do it yourself. And people that worry, if you think about it, worry is a form of pride as well. Because they're worrying because they think there's something that they should be doing. That's something that they can do. Last Monday, I shared at the luncheon over at Peachtree, Del and Mary Cooper were there. I talked about these four things. The knots of faith. Number one, forget not. Number two, fear not. Number three, fret not. Don't worry. And number four, faint not. Because you see, if you forget, you'll be afraid. You enter into fear. If you're afraid, you begin to worry. You begin to worry, you're going to faint. Because you're not equipped to handle that kind of pressure. So don't forget the promises of God. Don't forget the goodness of God. Don't forget the power of God. Don't forget who's in you and who's on you. And then fear not, don't be afraid because he says, I am with you. 
Don't be discouraged or dismayed. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. So you need not fear. If you're walking down the street and there's people all around that want to attack you and you're afraid and all of a sudden Jesus walks up next to your side and just says, fear not. Don't worry. I'll defend you. Would your countenance change in a heartbeat? Absolutely. Because you see, if we get involved in forgetting and being fearful and fretting, you will faint. You don't want to faint. You want to reap. And you'll reap if you faint not. But between every promise and the, and the fulfillment is a wilderness and how we act here will determine whether or not we get the miracle that we're looking for. The enemy knows that and that's why he's going to attack us and, and put obstacles in our way. Don't cave in. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. You've got the greater one living on the inside of you. You've got the power and the anointing of God on you. Praise God. You are a vessel of God. A vessel of honor. Meet and prepare for the master's use. Remember Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel chapter 4? Uh, you know what? Let's, we're not going to turn to there and read all that. I'm just going to tell you. Nebuchadnezzar all of a sudden gets full of himself. And he spews out of his mouth and says, All this Babylon, all that you see is the work of my hands. And before the words got out of his mouth, God removed his hand from him. He lost his mind. And for seven years, he's living in the wilderness as an animal among the animals. His nails grew out. His hair grew long. He was like an animal. And you know what? He lived there for seven years. And you know seven is the perfect number of the Lord. Uh, but it took seven years to do what? Get all that pride out of him. And detach him from everything that made him prideful. I'll tell you what. Once again. You put yourself in a situation where there's no water. Like the people in these third world countries. You don't know where your next meal is coming from etc etc you know pride doesn't become a very big issue with those people they're looking for their next meal they don't boast on themselves you know in Jeremiah 9 24 it says in let's put that up Jeremiah it, it says if you're going to boast look don't boast on anything but him loving kindness judgment and righteousness in the earth for in these things that I saith the Lord can we back it up to verse 23 Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. You know how easy it is to be tempted to do that? Pride is the very foundation for sin. You realize that? Look at what I've done. Isn't that what Lucifer said? I'm going to exalt my throne above the throne of God. I'm going to be like the Most High God. Pride is the very foundation for all sin. Let, thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Notice these three. Whether you've got wisdom or understanding and knowledge. Whether you've got strength, power and, and might. Or riches. Don't glory in any of it. Don't boast about any of it. But let him that glorieth or boasteth glory in this. That he understands and knows me. God said. 
that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. You know what's that, what's that saying? Jesus kind of put it in a nutshell when he said it this way. I'm the vine. You're the branches. My father, he's what? The husbandman. Abide in me. And I in you. So you can bear fruit. You know why? Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. You know what Nebuchadnezzar found out? Apart from God, he could do nothing. He lost his position. He lost his power. He lost his possessions. He's living like an animal. And finally, after seven years, he lifted up. He did what he should have done long before that. His eyes. Now, what's so important about this? Because you see, he got to a point when he finally got humble that he said, there is no God like the God of the universe. Here's the sad part about it. He just witnessed three men in a burning, fiery furnace who came out of that furnace unscathed without the smell of smoke. That's what he saw. and said, there's no God like this. But then he went right on back into his own prideful way. Look at all this that I have done. You know what? I do believe that this is probably one of the most, let's say, difficult challenges that everyone has to face. Especially for men. Men, I'll tell you what. We've got to watch it. You do something for your wife, like you fix the handle on the door. And it's working now. She may have complained about it for about six months, but you finally got to that job and you got it done. And I mean that, you did such a fine job and the door shuts beautifully, perfectly now. And it's working just fine. One day goes by, nothing. Two days go by, nothing. On the third day, you've had it. Honey, did you notice I fixed the door? Yeah? Come on! See, men... I know. Ladies, it'll cost you a penny at the door. We want that pat on the back. We want you to see what great work we did. We build our esteem, you see, that way. Ladies, if you want to get your spouse to do something more in the house tell him what a good job he did and he's the best worker he'll look for something else to do for you but if you just don't say anything he's not going to feel appreciated see we build our esteem on achievements and when we achieve something we want to hear what a good job we did but if you're like Nebuchadnezzar you'll start saying look at what I've done but remember this now instead of saying that Thank you, Lord, for giving me the ability to do that. And whether she ever recognizes it or not doesn't matter to me. You know why? Because she's made the bed 365 days a year. She's done the laundry 365 days a year. She's cooked the meals 365 days a year. And I don't tell her every day how wonderful it is. Well, we better start doing that. Pride always goes before destruction. And a haughty spirit always before a fall. And it is not the Holy Ghost that gets us into pride. It's the spirit of humility. So he finally gets to a place that he recognizes that it's all about God. God stands against the proud, but he lifts up the humble and gives them his power.
Now in John 14 and verses uh, 16, 17. This is Jesus speaking before he departs this realm and goes to be with the Father. He says, I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter. And that word is paraclete in the Greek and it means comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, and standby. The sevenfold manifestation of the Holy Ghost in the life of the believer. Comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, and standby. Why? That he may abide with you for a while. How long? Forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him for he dwelleth with you and he shall be where? In you. Praise God. And then in John uh, 16 I believe it is. Notice this. Again he's speaking about the Holy Ghost before he goes to the cross. And he says, nevertheless I tell you the truth. And he is the spirit of truth. He is truth. It is expedient, profitable, or advantageous for you that I go away. You have to understand who they are. They've been with him for three and a half years. They've watched him walk on water, turn water into wine, uh, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Would you want to pal around with him? You sure would, wouldn't you? But now notice, he says, I'm going away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he's come, he'll reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say to you. Now notice. But you cannot hear them now. Bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you in all the truth. He shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. He shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. What's he saying? The time is coming of the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is going to come representing me. It's almost as if I have opened up the door of your heart. I have moved into your life. I'm not going to know you from the outside I'm going to visit you on the inside. He's going to be in you. The Holy Ghost that is. And praise God. He's going to empower you. So you see it's absolutely essential. That we all understand. The, the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Because this is his dispensation. And I'm telling you. He wants to do a work in every single one of us. As a matter of fact. Let's see if we can quickly do this. The scriptures show the Holy Ghost at work. To make every aspect of our lives effective in God's service. Don't you want that? Absolutely. Look at Ezekiel uh, 36. The new birth is first. He says, I will give you a new heart. This is prophesying the new birth, regeneration. I will put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. I want you to see the thing that the Holy Ghost is doing in us. He's giving us a tender, responsive heart. We know what's right and wrong on the inside. This world is so messed up right now. And what's happening in our society today is so messed up. It's like Isaiah prophesied. Woe unto those that say, good is evil and evil is good. When we see what's happening, you know... 
in our, in our government, when we see what's happening uh, with man changing God's laws about family, about marriage, and all that, is your heart saddened over that? You know, the sad part about it is how many accept it, even they call themselves Christians. What are we just being right now, in other words, that, those that accept that? Are we being loving? Cooperative with what's taking place in our government, our society? Beloved, not at the expense of dishonoring God. We believe that we can love each other and speak the truth in love. But when man begins to change the laws of God to suit himself or his own lifestyle, it's time to speak up. It's time to take a stand. When you've got men, men on earth saying that that's not a life until it's so many months old in the womb. It's not a life. I beg to differ. God knew Jeremiah before his mother's womb. It's a life. But you see how many even within, I'm telling you, Christians, I see nothing wrong with abortion. Are you kidding me? Just take, take the word abortion out and put murder in. Now let me hear what you have to say. I feel, I see there's nothing wrong with murder. Really. Did you hear, I'm really meddling right now, but that's okay. Did you recently, it was an article that was pulled up, placed on my desk, Sharon found it. New Mexico has now authorized sexting making it legal for 14 year olds to sext and it's no longer a crime did you hear that one sexting in New Mexico is no longer considered a crime wow does that mean that's no longer pornographic material does that mean that those that are the crazy ones out there looking at pulling up all that stuff, if they've found it, it's okay because it's no longer wrong or illegal. 14-year-old should be playing with games. Not doing things like that. But the government steps in. I told you about in Oregon when they were sanctioning, they made it illegal for a child to have an abortion that was 14 or 15 years old 15, without the consent of the parents. The parents have no say-so in it. What's going on? None of that is the Holy Ghost, I'll tell you right now. We've got to take a stand, and we've got to speak up, and we've got to be empowered by the Spirit, because just like in the days of Zerubbabel, it seems like a mountain's before us that's impossible to remove. Well, it is impossible in the natural. Man's wisdom can't do it. An army can't do it. Politicians can't do it. I'm telling you, we need to make our appeal before the throne of God and just say, Father God, only you can do it. We're cooperating. We give our vessels over to you, to your Holy Ghost, to move in a powerful way in and through our lives. We can make a highway for you to move and do what you want done. Amen. Amen. He says here, what will he do? His spirit will be in you to do what? To re in a responsible way. To do what? To help you follow the decrees and laws of God. 
You see, that's called the conscience of a man being seared. And when a Christian embraces that kind of mentality, that person's conscience has been seared as with the hot iron. And they're no longer sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit within their lives because God's laws never change. He's always the same. He's holy. He'll always be holy. His ways are always right and truth. No matter what man says. It, do you mean to tell me there's going to come a time when thou shalt not kill is no longer illegal? Thou shalt not steal is no longer illegal? Because if they want to come up with their idea that says, well, this is my lifestyle. This is how I am. Well, what about the one that says I'm a pedophile? That's just who I am. And think about how they're leaning toward that. You put a lot of that stuff in New Mexico. What, what's wrong with that a pedophile saying, I'm just going to follow through with all this? Can you see how crazy it's getting in our world today? I'll tell you what, God wants us to be yielded to the Holy Ghost. Number two, the spirit of baptism in Acts chapter 2. And we won't turn to it. You know the story, they got filled with the Holy Ghost and power. So the first one you can say is purity. The second one, number two, is power. At salvation, we're born of the Spirit. When we're baptized, we're filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit of God comes upon us. But look at Judges chapter 6, 34. And I want you to see these verses right here. This is from the ESV translation, English Standard Version. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. Boy, I like that terminology. He clothed Gideon. And then look in Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. Clothe Gideon. And behold, I am sending you the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. You know, if the Holy Ghost clothes us, what's that talking about? He's coming upon us. And that should be our prayer. If you're praying for someone, Lord, clothe me with your spirit that he might take over my entire being because you see the Holy Ghost needs a vessel he needs a body he's a spirit doesn't have a body he needs a vessel let him just clothe you and then empower you and then speak boldly the word of God and watch the Holy Ghost work uh, and then embolden us Acts 4.31 they prayed because they were persecuted but now notice the spirit how he emboldens them and when they had prayed the place was shaken but they were assembled together and they were all filled with what the Holy Ghost and what did they do see they got filled with the Holy Ghost first and then they spake the word of God with boldness it means to give confidence or courage to do something or to say something or to act out something see God wants us to be in that place of his presence until the Holy Ghost just absolutely falls upon us and fills us and floods us and clothes us so that we can do what? Be empowered, be encouraged, be emboldened. I'll tell you what, you get two people to go out and minister and witness, do it as a test for yourself. If you try to talk to somebody by yourself, can you sense a little bit of intimidation sometimes? But I'm telling you what, you get some other brother or sister to stand by your side do you know the strength that comes in that? There's strength in twos. That's why Jesus sent them out in twos. Absolutely. They're empowered. You've all experienced it, haven't you? I remember being at the Y one time, and one of the brothers down there, he's pretty bold by himself. 
and someone came along to ask a question, an off-the-wall question about the things of God. And he came right about, and got a hold of me and just enlisted me into the conversation and pulled me right on in. And the two of us stood together, and he was just firing away, and I'm just firing back the answers, you know. He's, he's just thinking it's all messed up. He doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in miracles, doesn't believe in creation, doesn't believe in anything that, that has to do with the Bible and all that it was written by. And I'm tell, but you know what? With him standing there and me standing there, the two of us together, I call it a tag team. We tag team. And then with the Holy Ghost, man, we just let it come out. And it came out. People in the whole place was just listening to our conversation. But if it didn't get him, I know he was convicted. But I'll tell you what, it got somebody else on other people there that were there were listening. And then our effective praying. Look at this in Romans 8, 6, 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps our what? Our weaknesses, our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He that searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So what's the Holy Ghost doing? Yes, he's upon us. He's empowering us. He's within us. But now when we really yield, what's he doing now? He is taking us beyond our understanding in prayer. Man, I, I, I don't know what your situation is. You don't mind. I, I don't know what that person's going through out there that you're praying about. But God does and the Holy Ghost does. And when you just stand there and say, Holy Ghost, take hold together with me against my inabilities, my infirmities, my inability to produce results. I don't know what to pray for, how I should pray as I ought. I know I can pray the word of the situation, but I know there's some things that you know about, I don't know about, but I'm yielding myself to you. And on the sudden, on the inside, he'll begin to take over. If we don't ask him, he's a gentleman. He won't do it. But if you say, clothe me, clothe me with power from on high. And then uh, our walk. But you know what? We'll pick it up. We'll pick it up next week. From there, we'll, at the new birth, the baptism, and these different things. But these are the works of the Holy Spirit. Let's gather around here before we leave here tonight. These are the works of the Holy Spirit and the life of the believer. This is the Spirit of God manifesting Himself in us, clothing us from on high with His power, with His beauty, with His holiness, with the grace of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God, toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins 
by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. and now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.